big bomb. That big I saw. bomb. Um, but that fits with what we were already planning on talking about. And the, the screenshot that I saw earlier was a, an older white woman, you know, tweets out something like, black women don't let us down. We need you to vote this election. And yeah, Fred's reaction kind of says it all. It, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, come on, really? How about talk to your friends? Stop laying this all at the feet of the people who come out and vote and vote well for us. Really? They can't help it. They're so used to it. You know, they've been doing it since 17, whatever this place, 1776. Come on, history buff. <laughs> you know oh, slip my mind randomly. I mean, it's not like we actually live in a world now where the president even agrees or believes in the constitution, let alone knows how to read it. So, you know, it's kind of hard to reconcile. Wait, does that still apply? I thought we'd cut it out. Oh wait, the second amendment applies, but we threw out the rest, right? Second amendment applies. First amendment applies only when you don't want to wear a mask and target but not for anything right. else. Right, but not for actually protesting against systematic injustice. Got it. You got See? We're on a roll here already. I got it. <laughs> Wait, what's the third amendment? We should we should know this. Yeah. I know the fourth amendment. Is that amendment. the quartering of soldiers? Probably. The fourth amendment doesn't exist anymore, I know that much. So. Oh, yeah, no, no, no privacy. Yeah, no yeah, privacy. yeah, yeah, yeah. In today's yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. that. Yep, absolutely. But yeah, anyway, so slight off topic, but yes, our topic for the day is, you know, why we're, why we're placing everything at the foot of minorities and looking at suburban housewives, right? You know, I just, I'm just so, no, let me not say that. I'm kind of sick of talking about suburban housewives. I love suburban housewives. They're great. They're wonderful. They're all nice. wonderful. Yeah. Um, your housewife? I, I fit, do I fit in that category? So I don't like, think you fit in that category. Are housewives only people who, women who don't have jobs? I mean, I definitely live mm. in like the epitome of suburbia. Well, I would say women who don't have jobs outside the home. Okay. Because being a homemaker well, is a full-time job. Yes. Although <clears throat> at lexicon. this point, we're yeah. all only working in the house. We just might be doing something for fair. labor as opposed to uncompensated misogynistic expectations. Fair, fair. fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have anything to add there. Um, but so, so we've gone there now. We've gone Just there. Yeah. There was any surprise. If anybody me. was wondering where we were, it's very clear now. Um, so I, I, there's just been a lot of talk. <clears throat> I think, well, let's backtrack. There's been a lot of talk about like non-college educated white voters. Like I've heard this term more than I want to in the past four years. And if I have to hear it again, I'm just going to lose my crap, which I'm sure I'm going to lose it because I'm going to hear it probably a million times between now and November 3rd. Um, and those seem to be the great, <clears throat> those great buzzwords, non-college educated white voters, suburban women. And, and, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like it's part of a desire to push a media narrative, number one. And then number two, I don't know. And I, I, I think you feel like this as well. So feel free to push back. I feel like there's a lot of desire for, from the media to make this a close election. And I, I just don't see any historical data trends that support that. I still think it's going to be a close election. Well, why is that? I think that we have become so entrenched um, in our own particular views that, I mean, I'm kind of seeing the suburban white housewife as, you know, a, a dog whistle almost for Republican women. Oh, for sure. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, let's think about it. You know, if we're looking at the Northeast, the Mid-Atlantic, most of California, you don't really find women who are, who don't have jobs outside the house. That's real. So that's not who we're talking about. Yeah. You know, the cost of living in these places is way too high for most families to be able to survive on a single income in the 50s model of, you know, man goes out, procures bacon, brings home for a lovely wife to cook in heels for loving children who never question. I mean, some people, some people like, some people like being, you know, homemakers. Absolutely. And I, and I poke fun a little bit. And, and you know, it, there's been conversations as well in feminist circles, like, isn't that the epitome of feminism, allowing those women who want to do that to be able to do that? And absolutely. That's fair. Uh, you know, if that's, if that's what you want, you know, my best friend in high school, all she ever wanted was to be a mom cool. I'm so glad that she got to do that. You know, like it's not for me, but my whole thing about everything is you get to make your own choice. Yeah. Decide what's right for you. Yeah. No, I hear you. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a dog whistle for like, Hey, Republican women show up and show out. And you know, it's, you know, when it comes down to it, I do think it's going to be a close election because I think a lot of Trump supporters are quiet it's not popular to be a Trump supporter right now. It's not popular to be a Republican. And yet, if you look at elections, Republicans continue to win. You know, as much as we liked Stacey Abrams, she didn't win. Well. I know, there's always, I I know, and I picked on Georgia, which is your stomping ground. I don't disagree with that, but there were still votes there. You know, it's not like, you know, a million people are voting and 800,000 of them are coming out, you know, for the Democrats. It's not happening like that. Even, you know, in races where, you know, in the blue wave of 2018, yes, some of the seats flipped, but they weren't landslides. I mean, some of them were, but some, you know, some really were not. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at, you know, the Maryland governor's race in 2018. We have a Republican governor in a very blue state. So we had a we had a bad candidate too on the Democratic side. Yeah, but who would be the good candidate? I mean, there are options. <laughs> I'm just saying, if, you know, you can pick apart every example, but there still continue to be examples, and there still continue to be people who come out and support Republicans, vote Republican, and maybe they just don't talk about it so much. They're not engaging in the social media because either they're not there, right? They've, they've sworn off of social media or they're just not saying it because they don't want to be jumped on. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I mean, in Maryland's case, I think you'd have a much deeper democratic bench if 70% or more of your general assembly Democrats weren't appointed rather than having to win their first election. I think that's a different conversation for a different podcast. Yes. I'm calling the Maryland general general assembly out. Um, I don't know. I have a, I have a bit of a different take. Uh, and, I, and I think the number one is I don't believe in persuadable voters. So I'll just go ahead and, and cash that out right now. And people are always like, oh, yeah, the data bears that people are persuadable. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't. I mean, most folks are. No, they're persuaded whether to vote, not who to vote for. <clears throat> they're exactly. They are persuaded whether to vote. And then also, I think like people talk a lot about um, I'm sick of hearing about like Obama Trump voters. And, you know, some guy, I forget his name, wrote this whole book on hill, hillbillyology or whatever the heck it's called um, 
about like talking to people in quote unquote rural areas and they're so forgotten. And number one, rural is not synonymous with white. We'll get to that a little bit later. There are plenty of non-white people in rural areas. Um, who are being suppressed. Who are, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but the other thing is just like, I, I, don't, I don't believe there's anything persuadable about people who voted for Obama and then voted for Trump. I just really don't. I think the biggest thing there is like, people like that, they're not persuadable because they're gonna go to the ballot box and always vote for their own personal gain. It doesn't matter what you say to them. They're worried about what kind of paycheck they're getting, how they can take care of their families and what their surroundings are. And I just don't think there's any, there's no way you can organize a script. There's no ad you can put together. There's no field program you can put together to make those folks wanna vote for Joe Biden. The reason why I think it's a closer election now is those folks voted for Barack Obama in 2008, in spite of him being black, because most of them just didn't have economic conditions, didn't have a job, were worried about being able to take care of their families and feed them. And they were like, all right, I'll give the black guy a try because my life is so bad. But they turned around in 2016 and voted for Trump, I think, and that was their true colors. And so that is the main reason why I think this election won't be as close. It's not anything like hopeful and like Joe Biden being this great candidate. It's that one, he's an old white guy that they're more okay with than a, than a woman. And two, it's because like there's a depression level unemployment right now in a pandemic who people in rural and suburban areas are starting to get and die from. Uh, so, Except it's weird because, you know, usually the best predictor of who's going to win a presidential race is the economic situation yeah. you know of the country so you know with the current economic situation that we see although the stock market is not behaving oh the way gosh. that one would approach would would expect based on other you know you know it does take a dip every time the numbers the unemployment numbers come out and things like that but you know we really should have a really depressed stock market today uh, today well today it was kind of depressed but you know <laughs> in general it shouldn't be on a tear like it is and with as many people you know, there's, you know, I feel like I'm the meme queen today. Um, there's another meme going out, like um, <laughs> some of my more left-leaning friends, you know, oh yeah, you know, this Trump's going to come in and he's going to solve all the problems and fix the economy and control the virus. And, you know, there's the, there's a disconnect here. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, you inherited some things from Obama that would be the first year to two years of your term. You really can't take credit or take fault of it one way or the other. There's bleed over from a previous term. Clearly. But look what's what happened after that. Yeah. You know, you can't blame Obama for a pandemic. Trade wreck. <laughs> yeah, you can't blame him for what, you know, the, the war with China, the trade war with China. You can't blame him for, you know, the other economic indicators that are going on right now. This is clearly from this particular administration. And there seems to be willful blindness by a good yeah. portion of the population. Yeah. No, I and mean, that's the biggest thing for me is that I, I do, there's a part of me that feels like there's a huge sort of political realignment happening, which I've been hoping would take place for uh, for decades. And I think it's finally coming along because I tell people all the time, I say, look, we're, we're still in the Reagan era, whether people like it or not. This oh, country. No. Don't start on Reagan. This, well, Reagan's a, new, a different episode. Uh, <laughs> this country is still like center right, regardless of whether or not people believe it. It's just like people like us who are, you know, more progressives, more left leaning, live in these little bubbles and feel like, you know, oh, you know, things are shifting left. By and large, this country is still very much so conservative, still very much so living in that Reagan line. I have a theory and I'm going to like work on it post election. Uh -oh. But I, right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it takes 12 years of the same party control in the White House to 
shift the overall national political trend. Um, and I and feel the last like, time we saw that was Reagan Bush. Exactly. <clears throat> and before that was FDR, where it was more than 12 years. But, you know, and so, and I think all presidential scholars would tell you like, hey, you got the New Deal era and that officially ended in 1980. And now we're still living in the Reagan era. And I think 20, had we done what we should have done in 2016, I think we would be in the midst of an even further um, you so know, Trump wanting the third term, he's on to something, huh? Hey, he's on to something. Now, now, I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll live long enough for a third term. I don't mean that brassly. I just what is he? 75, 76? 70 somewhere. But you know, yeah, yeah. he's also also who says it'll be him? That's the Trump in the third term. Well, fair. That's fair. Yeah, got Ooh. a lot of children. Lord help us. Um, and so I I, I do like to think that. We're, we're in the midst of such a thing. The problem with that is you need a variety of things to really shift and push political realignments. One of those, like I think people woefully underestimate the impact that there is when you've got sort of a similar ideology, similar policy proposals, so on and so forth, coming from the biggest microphone in the world, which is the presidency of the United States. Uh, and so I, I do think that is why sort of 12 years of FDR and then Truman for another additional few years, 12 years of Reagan, Bush, so on and so forth, really helped shift those narratives. And I think we would be in a position to where things would be changing a whole lot right now if Hillary were president. And so it's kind of like, I honestly think every time you kind of revert back to the mean a little bit. Now, the thing that gives me hope is that Trump has been so awful from a rhetoric standpoint that I do think now there are people willing to, even non, you know, people of color or whatever, people who are willing to listen to alternative frameworks that eight years ago would have been incredibly socialist that I think we might be able to bring in the policy proposals in the next decade. Uh, and so maybe in a way in which we didn't quite expect or a way in which we you know, didn't really think could happen, he's been such an awful president that maybe there's not a restart on that 12 year clock to do a, a shift in that political alignment, but who knows? Because we used to believe like, hey. Yeah, I'm not sure, because there's a lot of fixing that has to happen in the interim as well. But well, yeah, I mean, I mean that's, maybe, this is, maybe this is a new reconstructionist period. You know, we had reconstruction after slavery. Now we have reconstruction after Trump because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna say that Trump is as bad as slavery by any means, but you know, the, dismantling of social systems, the dismantling of the rule of law is somewhat akin to what happened yeah. um, in, you know, in the law, you know, like I said, leaving slavery aside of it, that's obviously going to, you know, sorry for the, the bad pun, Trump, anything else, but just from a, I know, I couldn't think of another word, oh, um, but from a policy perspective, having to redo so many things, redo so many laws, redo so many policies, uh, like the legal reconstructionist period after, you know, after slavery, there's, there's an argument to be made there that this, you know, kind of a new reconstruction period, you know, because of all that's gone on. Well, reconstruction was a pretty successful time. I mean, hey, there's your hope, right? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's not have what happened after reconstruction. Uh, but <laughs> But, you yeah, know, let's, but, let's not Jim Crow and everything else, but Reconstruction yeah. itself was great, put in lots of great new policies, you know, really shifted into something else. I mean, I think that we should take the lesson from history, right? Like, mm. you know, don't push so far that there's going to be a backlash that takes you back to the yeah. same place or further, which in some respects, I would say that's exactly what's happening in this presidency. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, so, you know, and not to say that we shouldn't be electing progressive people or people who are going to press it. But, 
you know, making sure that we recognize that this happens and, you know, hopefully put in some sort of safeguard so that we don't retrogress after we get the reforms that are really necessary. Yeah. No, I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think one of the, the struggles and the challenges, like for, for me and people I sort of associate with, for lack of a better term, is just this country historically has always, like you said, had a huge backlash whenever, um, you know, black people have made progress. And I think that's what Trump's election is in a nutshell. I forget who said it on election night, but it was like white supremacy swan song. And that's basically what it was. Now, I think it's on us to make sure it is indeed white supremacy's swan song. And, and I, mean, I think that, that might actually be uh, almost worth it. I don't know. <laughs> this is the whole like bandaid off slowly versus ripping it off kind of thing. Just rip it off. Well, <laughs> you know, so I mean, in that respect, you're a fan <laughs> because this is the ripping it off, you know, really exposing everything, ripping the scab off through these past four years instead of letting, you know, the legacy of white supremacy continue to linger, continue to have its fingers in policy, in everything that's going on. So we should be happy that Trump was elected. I'm not no, sure. No, I'm no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying we should be happy. I'm saying like at this point, there's room to find. You want so, that silver lining. There's room to find silver linings. Right. And if like we had President Hillary Clinton, which I do wish we had, we'd have two more liberal Supreme Court seats and a whole lot more progressive and democratic judges, but at the state legislator and congressional level, we would be decimated. I mean, she would have gotten just obliterated in the midterms. Um, probably wouldn't have Trump as a nominee now, but, you know, maybe Romney runs again. May, you know what I mean? So, and I do think this election would be close regardless if she were up for uh, for re-election because I don't, you couldn't control the on-site. She's on a lightning run. She's right. a lightning run. Something a, would find her. Exactly. And, and that's one of the other reasons why I, I don't say this as somebody who needs to feel better when they go to sleep at night. It's one of the reasons why I think Biden is going to win a little more larger than we think is just because like one, he's not a woman as Hillary, but two, I, I didn't realize, I think my dad had sent me an article in 2016. It was like in August because I had asked, we were talking, I was like, why do people hate Hillary Clinton so much? And I read this New Yorker article, which I'll link in, in, in the bio in this podcast or on the website, www.com. Uh, ctk.solutions, or you can go to www.relentless.love. And uh, there was a New Yorker article, I forget who it was by, I'll link it in there, but basically it was, it's like a 20 minute read of just, and it was from 1993. And it just really outlined, because I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in, you know, late 20s, early 30s area. Uh, and so I, you know, recall her as first lady, but I don't, you know, have direct knowledge of sort of the political undertakings. For those and, of us old people who lived through it, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people just hate her. And I did not understand the depth of people hating her. And a lot of that is rooted in misogyny, yes, but that article shed light to me that there are a lot of women, not just white women, black women, Asian women, Latinx women that just have hated Hillary Clinton since the early 90s. And so- well, yeah, it's, I was talking about somebody the, with somebody the other day and I said, you know, I called Hillary losing. And they're like, what? How could you possibly have called that? I said, because there's too many people that hated her. Too many. You know, so, you know, the reason that Obama won and won so big, especially the first time was because people liked him. They mm -hmm. wanted to go out and, you know, it's the, would you have a beer with him effect? Yeah. You know, and you're not going to go out and vote for somebody that you hate. Yeah. You, you're just not. And so, yes, you know, it's not like she got like two votes. Obviously people oh, still wow. voted for her, yeah. but there was a good contingency out there that either wasn't going to show up at all 
or was going to cast basically a protest vote because they just disliked her so much. Yep. And look, I think a lot of that is built into old school. I don't even want to just say misogynistic tropes. Those are there. Validating those, those are definitely there. But I do think there are a lot of, you know, like I said, you know, white women, but non-white women who, like, for example, you know, when they got off, there was a time where they, her and Bill, they were still in the White House and they got off the plane and she was just like, I'm not holding your hand. It was very clear her level of disdain for him. I think you and I are people who understand and appreciate her level of disdain, right? You had sexual relations with an intern in her early 20s inside the Oval Office. I'm not talking to you. I get it. After all I've done for you? After all after I've done all for I've you. After all I've put on the back burner? After all I've done to support you? Yeah. She was way more qualified than him. Would have been a better president than him. Totally fine. We'll get, to, we'll get to that later. Well, in later episodes. But I do think there are a lot of women, and I've talked to some of these women who have said this, like, you put on a, a better show in public with your husband, even if y'all are having, you know, issues and all this. And these are like things that, that women have told me they feel about her in the last three or four years. And so, you know, that, that, was, that was a shocker for me. And then is one of the reasons, bringing it back full circle, that I do think Biden will win because he doesn't have that baggage. But then also, uh, there's sort of an interesting, um, I think I just lost my train of thought, but... <laughs> That is one of the reasons why I think I think Biden's going to be able to win in in a, in a well and and like I've told other people I would love to be wrong yeah <laughs> I would love to see a blowout I would love to see it not anywhere close you know everything like that but you know I've I've told um, one of the candidates that I work for um, you know obviously it doesn't bear on his race at all but you know I'm saying it's fifty fifty until mid October at mm. the earliest ask me again in mid October and I might have a different different perspective at that point but i don't see it happening right now yeah no i can agree with that i think i think there are two things i think there's a there's two big hurdles biden has to get over the first is the first presidential debate on september 29th the second is the second debate which is in early october i can't remember the day right now um yeah but who watches debates no no nobody watches debates people out there undecided like 20 percent undecided I, I agree with you, but I, I think no one watches the debates, but everyone sees the clips from them. And if he has sure. gaffes, major gaffes, everyone will see the major gaffes, even outside of context. And so I, I think that's why that's biggest hurt. Like I'm, but I'm, again, it's just it's reinforcing. You know, what do you mean? for somebody who's going to support Biden, his gaffes, we're gonna be like, whatever. You know, really, this is what you're. This is the best you can do to throw at our candidate. Look at your. Look at your. You know pot meat kettle right and for people who already don't want to support him yeah they're just looking for reasons not to support him here's another reason you know i just just don't see it swaying people but then again i don't understand how anybody could possibly be undecided at this point yeah so you know those those people are kind of a mystery to me anyway yeah no i mean i I hear you i think undecided is right now aren't undecided and more so undecided on will I vote or not. Um, and, and I do think like enough, I don't even say enough gaffes because they're both gonna have gaffes. It's a debate in your own stage for two hours with beaming hot lights on you. Like you're gonna have gaffes. Are, are, are they gonna be enough for folks who need to turn out, <laughs> about to use the tropes. Are they gonna be enough to like make suburban white women <laughs> And, and youth under 35 and, and black men in Milwaukee County and Philadelphia not come out, which could happen, right? I mean, we saw one that go around a few months ago. It was like, 
if you have you know problem whether or not you're going to support me support me you ain't black you know some stuff like that and that, that you know biden said that i didn't you know take much into it i'm just like i mean i know who joe biden is right but i do think and then my train of thought finally came back and one of the things <laughs> one of the things he does yeah um you just can't say that but one of the things i think is important no is, i agree you shouldn't have said it but i get what you're going for um Hillary was just too familiar. And there's a reason why senators don't become presidents. Like Obama, I think, had a very unique circumstance. And, and I think well, it's he, a, wasn't, he wasn't a senator for very long. Too, exactly. He, yeah. Like no one knew his name until 2004. He was a senator for what, two and a half, two years until he started running for president. Now people are like, well, Joe Biden's been in the Senate for 30 plus years. Joe Biden is likable. I, I, now I tell you, I've talked to plenty of Trump folks, plenty of folks who I would even say, yeah, you're a racist. But they all say they would have a beer with Joe, right? I, I think that's kind of a, a somewhat universal thing, even amongst older white guys. And I, I think there's a lot to play in there because like W became president simply because there were people who said, I want to have a beer with that guy. And they thought Al Gore was this little timid little jerk who uh, had a little smug face. Know and it all. Mad, yeah, know it all. Who was mad at his wife for trying to censor rap music. and other, You know what I mean? Like, so... <laughs> Other than that, though, I just think Hillary had too much familiarity. But he inter- invent- invented the internet, so we got to thank him for that. Hey, hey, shout out to Al Gore. Um, but I think there was too much familiarity in the sense that she had been first lady beforehand and then was a senator and then ran for president and then was secretary of state and then ran again. Like, if you're in the public eye that much, especially as a woman, people are just going to find little nitpicky things to hate you for. And they had too much time to fester over the things that they hated about Hillary in a way that like Joe has been in the Senate, like I said, for 30 plus years, but he's got a lot of stories in there that make him more sort of relatable, right? The passing away of his wife. I mean, who knows what senators do? Well, no one, but they still like see you. Exactly. I mean, like, yeah, but they're not even seen. I mean, you know, okay. So for me from North Carolina, my Senator growing up, Jesse Helms, the late racist among other things um jesse helms i can't really tell you what he did i mean i know he made a comment about the university of north carolina chapel hill why do we need a state zoo we can just put a fence around the campus oh my gosh other than that i mean i don't i can't i can't be like oh yeah he authored this legislation or he worked on this I have no idea. And he was there for what, 30 years? Like yeah, a know. really long time. Like if you're there that long, you should be doing something, right? And well, knows that. well, but that's my point though. But I know, you know he's a so racist. we know <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, I mean that's kind of my point, right? Like I don't I don't know any I couldn't tell you anything Jesse Allen's past. I couldn't recall any question the ass in the hearing but i know for sure he was a racist you know what i mean so it's like oh for sure oh um, <laughs> but you know it's just you know it's just kind of hard to be like you know there's there's a hundred senators and you know there's a little bit of a cloak i would say that oh, go on sure. that goes on oh yeah. you know in there and you know what do you, what do you know you see the clips that are posted you know especially by the um, you know, the ones who are getting spotlighted right now, you know, Pelosi's getting hated on for her haircut uh-huh. and, and AOC is making, you know, comments, but, you know, outside of like the, the, the popular, I'm trying not to use words like darlings or, you know, flavor of the week kind of just, thing. Just go all like, the way there. Yeah. But like, 
you know, the media darlings of the, you know, what, what do you know about your senator? Nothing, but people continuously vote for them too. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm personally, and like, look. for. And I feel like I'm, you know, more in tune with what's going on than the average person. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> I don't know most of what's going on, you know, so it's, it's, it's interesting. No, that's real. And that's good. I like to always have my perceptions checked mostly because like I can mostly name like all 100 senators and I'm like a weirdo and a nerd and there's no reason why I should know all that. But then again, I did study like presidential politics as a concentration in undergrad. So like, you know, maybe I know all these things for a reason, but I will say like for Biden to win, which I think he will, but there are like traditional tropes that are going to be not right. Vice presidents don't traditionally become president. Senators don't traditionally become president. Although if, if he wins- Vice presidents do become president. Wait a minute. Traditionally, the last like- Vice, ha- Vice presidents do. Who? Bush? Yes, I said traditionally. Well, I mean, if you're talking, tra- if you say the word traditionally, you're talking about like till the beginning of the country. Well, no, not the There's beginning. There's a lot of vice presidents that became presidents. Yes, let's do like the last century. I, I'm not good enough to do that. Much, <laughs> to like um, think back other, but you know, it, it definitely has happened. It has happened. You know, so and we certainly continue to promote those people. So even if they're not winning, they are still the nominee, you know, and there's something to be said for that because, you know, it's, it is at least still viewed that they have a better chance than somebody coming in off the street. I mean, think about how different it would have been had Biden run against Trump. Oh, he would have uh, demolished him in 16. But, well, there's another conversation you can have there as well, whereas I'm of the opinion that Hillary should have waited to announce until you you give the sitting vice president the- He had said he wasn't running. Yes. He said he wasn't running. His son had just died. You give him another co- a month or two. She had a war chest. It was going to be easy for her to campaign. Everybody knew her name. She could easily fundraise. You give the vice president two more months to figure out what he's doing because that is just what you do. You let the sitting vice president be sure that they're not running first. And I get he said he wasn't running, but his son had just died. You give him two more months and had that happened, we'd have Joe Biden now. We'd be great. Everything would be cool. Yada, yada, yada. Didn't quite happen. It's fine. Yeah, but this is so. This is another conversation that we alluded to earlier about your seventy percent in the ha- in the Maryland Gen- General Assembly being appointed. You know, staying in line, and why should we have that line? You know, should we have that line of the anointed that should be the ones running? You know, well, because you still got to win. So, I understand like, that, but you know, like you're telling her to wait her turn. No, she didn't wait her turn because she ran in 08. I mean, Obama should have waited his turn, too. telling her to wait her turn this time. Let Biden run because he's vice president. Oh, yeah. And he's next in line. Yeah, yeah. Let's be clear. Obama Obama should have waited his turn, too. Like, Hillary should have won in 2008. So let me put that on record. So so I'm consistent in this, at least. He should have waited. 08 was Hillary's nomination. I'm challenging the whole having a line and being in line thing to begin with. I am normally not with that when it comes to the presidency. I'm going to sit in the ivory tower that says you give the sitting vice president the the point of deference or whatever the term is first. Um, That makes me a little bit of like a political traditional elitist. And that's fine. I'm fine with that. 
Um, and everybody knows Mike Pence is running in 2024 regardless anyway. So that should be fun and interesting. Um, and just to clarify my point, yes, there have been- Will his mom let him? I don't know. Will his wife let him too? Because he can't be in the room with women uh, who he's not married right, to. Right, so mom. she has to go everywhere with him? Probably, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all the heebie-jeebies, by the way, all the heebie-jeebies. Uh, there, there have been recent vice presidents who have become president. Richard Nixon was vice president under Eisenhower, and then he won in 68. However, he did lose his first election running for vice president. So I think that was more of what I was going for. All right. It's hard to be vice president and then initially run for office for president and then win. Um, and then also, I mean, I think that's why I think governors make, I don't want to say they make the best presidents, because I'm not going there. I think governors make the best presidential candidates because they get the opportunity to frame themselves the way they want to, to the nation. Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, W, so on and so forth. Um, I don't think, I don't, do we have, besides Steve Bullock, I mean, do we have any, well, Jay Inslee, but he's from a very liberal state. Was there like a Democratic candidate from a sort of, I don't want to say like, yeah, from a middle of the ground state? Because even Steve Bullock's like, I don't think so. Yeah. And so I think like that's, that's one of the big things. Um, I mean, the big, I mean, the biggest concentration were senators because we had three senators yeah. in the race. And that's why in the future to build the base, like let's say Biden wins this year, you know, hope, pray to God, like to have quality candidates in 24, 28, 32, we've got to keep investing and in having, building the base through state legislators because to have good candidates, a slew of them, we're going to need more governors, Democratic governors in like your Californias, your Texas, your New York, your Georgia, your Florida, like that, your Ohio, like that is the, the future. You got a Democratic governor in North Carolina. In North Carolina, you got lovely Gretchen Whit. Mm, maybe uh, not Whit- for much longer. He's got getting big, hit right now, but he is getting at hit. least now. Uh, we got Big Gretch in, uh, in Michigan. Uh, I, don't, I don't know who else. I think we might have hit a... a that might be a ceiling here. I mean, I know other Democratic governors, but I don't know any from. Yeah, but not in in toss up states. Yeah, like Big Gretch, Mike. If I had to put money down, I put on Big Gretch for the twenty four nominations. Even ahead of Kamala, actually. Assuming Biden and Harris win, I, I would pick. Not that I'm saying I would vote for Whitmer. <sighs> if I had to put money down, though, I would put it on her right now. Anyway, I don't know how we got here, but um, how do we get anywhere, really? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got to stop laying everything at. The feet of minorities. We're gonna close it. Yeah. Out. Oh, yeah. That was our topic, wasn't it? That we totally talked about that. It's fine. absolutely. That was totally the real theme of today. It was. But yeah. No. I mean, it's and that was exactly it. Is you know, don't look to minorities to bail us out, white people. Like we have to take control. We have to. We have to do the work. Do you job. know? I mean, yeah. I mean, we can't. We have the luxury. We have the the privilege of sitting back and generally speaking, we're still okay, regardless of who's president. It doesn't affect us the same way. That's fair. And we need to, you know, we need to vote. We need to act like, you know, we aren't white people, you know, you know, that we are impacted by xenophobic, Islamophobic, um, racist policies, you know, actions that are going on in this country. And, you know, it's, it's easy when you don't have to, you know, worry about, you know, how that might affect you from a day-to-day basis, you know, and it's, it's easy to sit back. I mean, I think that was one of the big things that came out of the 2016 elections is all of these suburban white women went, oh, wow, there's a polit- politics out here. There's a whole political <laughs> world. Uh, as if it just you came know? out of nowhere. 
And he, I was like, oh my gosh, who knew? Here's the shiny you know, new I mean, toy. And, yeah, I mean, well, not, not even a new toy, but like a whole new world opened, you know, that hallway that I've, you know, walked down a million times, I've never opened that door. Oh my gosh. You know, there's a whole other room in here that I just didn't even know existed. You know, and minorities are like, yeah, we've been in this room for centuries now. Like, right here. Yeah. welcome. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Nice to you meet know, you. What you want to do? <laughs> but I mean, you know, so I was part of Together We Will, which came out of Pantsuit Nation um, after the election and, you know, was running the county group. And we did a civics class. We did like a seventh grade civics class and had over a hundred people in the room oh, wow. because they had forgotten it from when they had it in seventh grade. And it was like eye-opening. Oh, that's how we do it. We had another lobbying. Here's how you reach your representatives. Here's why you should reach your representatives. Here's how you make an effective argument to your representative. So much pain on your face right now. Um, but I mean, we had hundreds of people interacting, interested, talking about these sorts of things after the 2016 election because they'd been sitting on the sidelines for so long. Wow. And, you know, I think that was, that's the blue wave of 2018 is all these energized, galvanized people who really weren't involved, you know, and even if they were voting, voting weren't involved, yeah. you know, went to the ballot box, punched their ballot left, you know, people getting involved in things. And, you know, that, I think that was really the blue wave of 2018. And it's going to be very interesting to me to see whether that continues to see whether people are still galvanized or mm. whether they're burnt out. Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been in organizing for a long time and, you know, the past four years has been different oh, yeah. than any other time and it will burn you out so fast, you know? So if you're new to it, you know, you don't know and you don't know when to step back or that you should be stepping back. You know, I quit watching, I literally quit watching the news. So I can't affect any of it anyway. If I need to know, you know, if I need to know about something, somebody will tell me. All right. And you know, the only thing that happens is it makes me mad. So I quit watching the news. That's fair. We got to leave it there, Becca. It's good stuff. I just yeah. like that I talked more than you this time because that yeah, hardly yeah. ever happens. Hey, ratio me. It's all good. Smash the patriarchy. Um, it's Becca Nyberg. You can close it. Curtis. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, that's Becca. I'm Fred. This is The Base. Catch y'all next week.